Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I went in there, I about threw up. I have a little bit more social awareness. That's to take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right? Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads podcast from Ramsock Radio, the first true off-season episode of Butting Heads. If you're new to the show this year, uh, haven't been with us in past off-seasons, Johnny, I think this is our bread and butter. This is where we really shine is in just the months lacking content where we kind of just figure out shit to talk about and... We, we just do it, man. We, ju- we just put, it, put the shows together here, and I, I'm glad you guys are here uh, in a week where the Rams aren't, aren't playing and will not be playing for months. Uh, don't remind me. I, I dread this time of year every year just because it, it always seems like the NFL season just ends in a snap, but it takes forever for it to actually get to the regular season, or even the preseason for that matter. Let's see if we actually have one. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I'd be surprised if there's not a twenty twenty preseason. I guess maybe there's not or twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one's already been a year. Sorry guys. Um, like I, I I'd be a little surprised if there wasn't a twenty twenty one preseason. I don't know. We would have to like really take some horrifying step backs for there to not be you know like that would be really frightening uh maybe there's not eighty thousand fans at preseason games i don't expect that to happen either but i would be shocked if they don't play preseason next year i think that was a one and done thing and the nba uh played a preseason this year not not in the bubble but like the new season so it, it seems like they would go that direction oh yeah let's let's hope that there's no setbacks because uh, this is encouraging that 
we're making small strides to getting back to some sense of normalcy, but we'll see. Yep. Uh, if we've learned anything in the last couple of months, it's that despite learning new things, we all still know nothing. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's basically been the consensus of the year. Uh, but yeah, it's the off season for the Rams. Two teams are still playing. We are not one of them, although we did beat one of them. But <laughs> beside the point, um, we maybe we'll touch on that a little later. We are. This is going to be our first of three Rams report guard podcasts. We're going to do three sets of report cards grading pretty much everyone that had some kind of impact on the 2020 Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this week is going to be the players that are free agents and might be gone next year. Um, and we will give you a percentage chance of how likely we think it is they're going to be back as well as their player grade. But first, there is some news this week, which is exciting. The Rams hired a new defensive coordinator after losing Brandon Staley, Raheem Morris, out of Atlanta. He was the interim head coach for the Atlanta Falcons this year, in addition to being the defensive coordinator in his first year there. Uh, However, it should be noted that Dan Quinn was their head coach. He's a defensive-minded head coach. This wasn't really Raheem Morris's defense when he took over as he was a coordinator. However, the team significantly improved after they fired Dan Quinn after week five and Morris took over as head coach. He went four and seven, which is not great, but considering they were 0 and five and one of the worst teams in the league under Quinn, uh, it was a step in the right direction. The defense improved pretty tremendously. Under Raheem Morris, I would say they were like an okay defense under him. Not the best, but um, under Morris, they had their five strongest defensive performance of the year, whereas under Quinn, they had three of their four worst defensive performances. Raheem Morris also, uh, for those who don't know, he did have a brief head coaching stint in the NFL. In between 2009 and 2011, he was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. I'm pretty positive he was the coach that took over after John Gruden retired. He was. He was, yeah. Uh, and in, he was with Tampa Bay for a while before that. He actually coached with Sean McVay for a year under Gruden. That is how they know each other. Uh, that's why I think McVay was comfortable bringing him in. Raheem Morris's tenure as the Tampa Bay Bucks coach did not last long. Uh, by all accounts, he had completely lost the team at the end of his third season. He had two seasons where they were really bad. But, Johnny, this is kind of like an underrated fact about uh, Raheem Morris's tenure as the, the Bucks coach. They went 10-6 and six one year. Now, like, bad coaches have went 10-6. and six. But do you remember who their quarterback was? 10-6. and six. Was that... Um... That wasn't No, I'm thinking way back. I was I was gonna say Brad Johnson, but I think that's too far back, right? No, no, not not Brad Johnson. Uh more recent. This was two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Oh gosh. I'm drawing a blank here. Go ahead and fill me in. He was a first round pick, albeit one of the worst first round quarterbacks drafted in the last two decades, Josh Freeman. Oh god. So, so while Raheem Morris was clearly not, at least at the time, uh, ready to be a head coach, and he, he did not do a great job, that's why he has kind of just flown under the radar the last decade pretty much. Uh, Atlanta was his first defensive coordinator job in the NFL, period. So this will be a second, but he's obviously a vet of the league. He's been around a long time. Uh, he dragged Josh fucking Freeman to a 10-6 and six season. Like, that has aged well 
even as much as his tenure at the time was not good, uh, we can pretty definitively say that Josh Freeman was not a good NFL quarterback, like at all. And nope. he he brought him to a ten and six season. Um, but anyways, I would say, I mean, I, I talked for a while, John. How do you feel about the hire? Uh, obviously, stepping in for Brandon Staley and Wade Phillips before him. Pretty big shoes to fill, but uh, Raheem Morris is the guy that's going to take it over. It's an interesting hire because I feel like with this hire, it's going to change the philosophy of the defense a little bit. It With the Brandon Staley hire, you basically knew where it was going. It, it was essentially picking up where Wade Phillips left off. Um, of course, there were some little differences here and there. Uh, but ultimately the same defensive scheme, the same uh, defensive style. Morris will likely shake things up a little bit. Uh, how much, I don't know, but it's. I, I really feel like this is going to be a completely different uh, defensive philosophy because even with Atlanta, Morris was wanting to do more blitzes, uh, which is something that the Rams didn't really do too much of, albeit... Let's face it, they didn't have too many uh, blitzing outside linebackers that they could use. About really the only one that I can think of that would really benefit there would be Terrell Lewis, who was never healthy. So it, it's it's interesting what they're going to have to do here because I feel like there's going to have to be a lot of changes. Uh, m- maybe not a ton of changes with like the secondary and uh, the defensive line, but I think linebackers got to completely change. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Morris will kind of alter more to the Rams' defense. It, it's it's something to watch out for as the season off season kind of lingers on. It, it leaves a lot of questions, particularly for the NFL draft and. Uh, the sparse free agents that the Rams could bring in. Yeah, it's it it is gonna be interesting because like with Morris, he, they ran a four three this year, and but but like I mentioned, it was Dan Quinn's defense that he kind of inherited, and when he coached the Tampa Bay a decade ago, they ran a four three as well. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, more a lot more defenses were running four three ten years ago than they are now, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so it's not like we don't really have a ton of history to pull from and say like, oh, Raheem Morris is for sure going to come in here and run a 4-3. I think it might be likely, but also, you know, there's, this is a team that's been running a 3-4 for uh, four or five years now. So I I think I think there is a chance that he, he adapts to a 3-4 type defense. But also, like, yeah, there's some players that wouldn't benefit from switching to a 4-3, but like, I don't think it would affect the secondary greatly, and that's really the only like group that is going to have a lot of continuity going in next year. And same with uh, the interior defensive linemen like Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers. Those guys have both played in four threes. I think they can play in four threes, and the guys like um, like Sebastian Joseph Day, he's built for a three four. But you mentioned the linebackers, and those are going to completely have to change if we go to a four three. But like. It's not like we're in an ideal situation if they're in a 3-4 at linebacker. Uh, we have some guys you like off the edge. Um, and like you mentioned, Tara Lewis might fit better in a 4-3. But, like, 
we'll get to Leonard Floyd. He's a 3-4 outside linebacker, but he might not be here. Um, a 4-3, you're going to rely on your more traditional outside linebackers and middle linebackers and such like that. And we don't really have any, but we also don't really have any to go in a 3-4 either. So it's like you're going to have to address – well, in theory, you're going to have to address linebacker to begin with. We'll see if they actually do because they've had to address for a couple of years now. But um, I, I'm curious – I'm really curious to see what happens with that. It's uh, it's something we're definitely going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Um, speaking of coaching changes, the Rams' entire staff pretty much has been poached or has attempted to be poached. Uh, obviously, we hired Raheem Morris, as I said, but we hired him because we lost Brandon Staley. He became the Los Angeles Chargers head coach. Uh, joining him on the staff is our assistant head coach, Joe Barry, uh, who was a candidate for defensive coordinator. He will now be, um, I believe he's going to be, I don't remember the exact title on the Chargers, but he will be following Brandon Staley there. And Aubrey Pleasant, our secondary defensive backs coach, um, who also was probably a candidate for the defensive coordinator position, he is going to the Lions staff uh, in a a promotion there. So they weren't able to block it. On the offensive side, they actually were able to block Kevin O'Connell from interviewing for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers offensive coordinator job because even though it is technically the same – if, even though it feels like it's a promotion, it is technically the same position. The Rams have to give these guys permission to take interviews and take jobs if they're doing what's considered a lateral move. Uh, so Kevin O'Connell will be back, but passing game coordinator Shane Waldron is interviewing for the Seahawks offensive coordinator job. So it is just like <laughs> – it's like comical how much Sean McVay's coaching staffs get poached. Uh, I, I am sad to see Pleasant and Barry go. They were both valuable coaches. I I think it was last week's pod, everything happened so quickly. We kind of speculated that those guys might not be happy if they don't get the defensive coordinator job. I don't know how unhappy they were that they didn't get it, but they're both gone. So, I mean, that says something. Raheem Morris is going to have to bring in a lot of new staff. I'm sure he'll keep some of the guys that are still around. But, <laughs> yeah, man, Sean McVay's coaching tree is growing pretty quickly and we'll see if any of these guys become head coaches in the coming years i mean i'm not really anticipating it with barry but you never know with waldron or o'connell who's still here or pleasant who's a rising star it's just nuts well i think that's a that's certainly a beneficial and a good thing because you you see a lot of these great coaching staffs that uh that fall under some great trees uh it, it's a sign that you have a great head coach and uh, hopefully they can still bring in some talented coaching um, because it, it's it's tough to find you know coaching year after year. It, it, it's not even just you know one or two coaches. You know, I don't recall a time really uh, in recent memory where the Rams coaching staff gets poached as much as it's been uh, in the past. Well, during the Sean McVay era, really. And uh, now it's an annual thing. It, it seems like we're constantly looking for a new offensive coordinator. Now it's going down to defensive coordinator. It, it's getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, a lot of front office guys poached as well. Um, like, obviously, we have been able to fill lots of roles in the coaching staff and move on fine, and I'm sure that's going to continue. Uh, I'm, I'm not really worried about losing. I'm, I'm obviously a little worried about Staley, but, like, losing the assistance, I, I think we'll adapt there. 
But yeah, it, it's crazy how just impressive this coaching factory has become. And he's already got three head coaches and counting on his coaching tree, which is insane. Not only for a coach that's only been a coach for four years, but a, what is he, 35? Like, that's nuts. It's absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> the only other news is that the Rams signed quarterback Delvin Hodges, a.k.a. Duck Hodges, played a couple games for the Steelers last year. I, I don't have any takes here. I I don't know why they were doing this, but I don't really feel like having a conversation about it. Well, I mean, give give Devlin a shot. You know, he's a he's a interesting quarterback. I, you know, I I know it's not the most exciting hire here because the the reality is the the likelihood that he's going to even be on the practice squad is is kind of slim. Uh, but. I feel like that's a good thing that he's bringing in, you know, the team's bringing in more competition to liven up the roster. It isn't even just about Jared Goff anymore. We want more competition at the backup quarterback position. So this is, I feel like, more for guys like Perkins and Wolford, uh, you know, to kind of get them out there sharp just in case another injury happens. I, I feel like that was one of the biggest causes for concern this year was, you know, uh, even though it wasn't that long, you know, there was a couple games where golf couldn't go. So, um, well, really just one, but still, uh, you know, him going out there with, you know, a broken thumb or pins in his thumb, that's not ideal. You want to be able to send in a guy that's capable of starting behind him. So I don't know if Devlin's going to be your guy, but um, it's interesting, I will say. Uh, you know, again, this probably has nothing, no bearing on on golf per se, but it's an interesting thing. I'd rather bring back Bortles than sign D- Duck Hodges, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no interest in this move. We'll talk about it later with depth charts and such. But uh, let's take a quick break, and then let's get to the player grades. Guys, I know we're all sad about the NFL season wrapping up here, but we still got a lot to look forward to in the next couple months. We still got the returning NBA and NHL. They're back. We've got plenty of other sports to keep us occupied. I always tell people if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love, they should be heading over to my bookie and getting in on some of the action. I use my bookie for one simple reason. They're the best. They'll even hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. Want to get on my bookie and get that get that big deposit bonus? It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code RAMSTALK, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. That's promo code RAMSTALK, no spaces in that, just R-A-M-S-T-A-L-K. Head over to my bookie today and start off 2021 on the right foot. This year... Don't bet with anyone else. Just bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. Okay, let's start. Uh, we're going to talk about free agents, but let's start with one guy who's already gone, and that is Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator, who is now the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Under Staley, in his brief one-year tenure as the Rams defensive coordinator, we had the number one defense in terms of points allowed, yards allowed, passing yards allowed, and the third best in rushing yards allowed. I. Uh, percentage chance he's back is zero obviously he's already gone but 
uh, I it cannot be understated how insane these strides were under Staley, and like it, it was a great ride. I wish we could keep him longer. I understand why we didn't. I think he's gonna uh, do some great things as a head coach. If not, maybe we'll have him back in a couple years. But yeah, I, I I'm giving him an A. I'd give him an A plus. But I after watching the Packers play this week. Especially, like, he gets stocked a small grade for the Rams' performance in that game. I, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and give him an A+. Plus. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can... I, I, I think uh, they, they, there could have been things that they could have done differently. But considering who they had at inside linebacker in particular, I can't really fault Brad and Staley for that. Just because I... I don't know how much say he had in the linebackers that he was presented with but the fact that he was able to still have one of the number one defenses in the league for with you know guys like Troy Reader and Kenny Young out there being your starters I know Micah Kaiser was technically but uh, you know he was injured for a good portion of the season even so you know Micah Kaiser wasn't exactly a proven commodity either so I, I got to give credit where credit's due here. Staley did a hell of a job. And, you know, we kind of knew that this defense was going to be special. But did we knew did we know it was going to be uh, the best defense in the league? I, I think we'd both be lying here if we if we said yes, especially with the linebacker position. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know if we did know this defense is going to be special. I mean, obviously, we know Donald's special. Um, and we p- were pretty much sure that Ramsey was going to be special again, but there's a lot of uncertainty in uh, even in the secondary with Nicobre Coleman gone, uh, and especially at linebacker outside and inside. So a-, a credit to him for getting such a great performance out of this defense entirely, despite the depth chart shortcomings. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. So yeah, when it's all said and done. I, I I give Staley a major kudos because he inherited some very talented players, but he also inherited a lot of unknowns. So um, A plus for just one year and what an impact he had. So uh, <laughs> Raheem Morris, he really has some big shoes to fill here. Yeah, yeah, he does, and uh, let's hope he fills them. Yeah, I we will talk inside linebackers on a future podcast, but. I just want to let out this crazy stat because I can't really contain it any longer. <laughs> Under Les Snead, Johnny, the Rams have drafted in the first four rounds of the draft. So Les Snead has been the GM since 2012. He has drafted eight wide receivers, and mm. he has drafted two linebackers, inside or outside. Wow. One of them was this year he drafted Terrell Lewis, the other one was 2013. He drafted Alec Ogletree in the first round. Uh, Alec Ogletree <laughs> was, yep. Alec Ogletree was an outside linebacker at the time, uh, albeit like a four-three scheme outside linebacker. Terrell Lewis is an edge defender, uh, outside linebacker. So in how many years is that? That's eight seasons, right? Eight or nine? Math is weird. I think it's eight. No, it's. I think it's actually nine football seasons (laughs) in those nine years dude he hasn't drafted in the first four rounds of the draft 
truly a single inside linebacker. That's that's insane. I think the highest inside linebacker he's drafted was Micah Kaiser. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that says a lot. That's a topic we'll revisit, but I, I was just mind-blown by that. And we drafted eight wide receivers in that time frame <laughs> in the first four rounds. Um, okay, next up, Leonard Floyd, uh, free agent, came in this year on a one-year short-term deal. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, came in from Chicago. Last couple of years, he had between like three to four and a half sacks. He had seven sacks as a rookie. This year, he had ten and a half sacks, fifty-one tackles. Um, and and before I get the grade, I do want to caveat when we give these grades. I at least me, Johnny, I don't know how you're doing it. I'm basing my grades off of performance and performance above their expectation. So like, let's say I give Leonard Floyd the same grade as Aaron Donald. I'm not necessarily saying that they had the same year, but just that like, based on what I expected from Floyd and based on how we got out, I would give Floyd an A, very close to an A plus. Uh, I would just give him an A. I mean, to, he steps in, he replaces Dante Fowler at a big year last year. I, you could argue that he was better for the Rams than Dante Fowler was. Um, he re, it took a little bit, I think. I don't. He wasn't like lights out from day one for the Rams, but he really came into his own and ended up being the perfect, really compliment for Aaron Donald uh, on the outside. He was eating up sacks. Uh, really was getting in a lot of quarterbacks' faces. Um, he was. I think everything you wanted from that signing and maybe more. No, I'm going to up and do an A+. Plus. I think he deserves it. Uh, he really blew away my expectations. Uh, we were able to get him because he really underperformed his career as a former first-round pick, but uh, he, I think he's going to get paid this offseason. He had a hell of a year, and he deserves to get paid. Uh, it was awesome. He's been awesome on the team. Yeah, definitely agree with you, Steve. A+, plus, there's... No question whatsoever. I I think we were all kind of hoping that he would generate at least some of the talent that uh, Dante Fowler had. So him coming in and just, I mean, he, he had a Pro Bowl caliber year, I, I feel. You know, maybe he didn't earn enough this year, but in past years, I feel like he probably could have gotten in had he had a bigger name and you know, played as well as he did. And considering he came into a totally different defense and, you know, he did he did take a bit to, uh, you know, start to generate some type of stats. But, you know, after, after a while, he kind of adjusted and got settled in and he became one of the better defensive presence um, in the front seven there. So... I have to give credit where credit's due, and Leonard Floyd deserves a ton of credit. He's going to earn that money this offseason, let me tell you. And uh, to to what you said, Steve, I would agree. I think he had a better season than uh, Dante Fowler did. Fowler, you know, when back in 2019, he had a solid season, but he had a bit more of an advantage also because... He was traded to the Rams, uh, you know, defense for... So he was really there for a couple of games. Yeah, a year and, and a half. And then an entire season. Yeah, so 
he he had a bit of an advantage and still, you know, didn't do as well, I feel. So, Leonard Floyd, he's going to get paid, let me tell you. And it sucks because it, it makes me wish that the Rams had signed him to a longer-term contract, but I could totally understand because this guy really didn't amount to his draft status at all. You know, and that's the only reason why the Rams got him for what they did. And now this guy, if <laughs> I'll be sincerely surprised if he doesn't get uh, anywhere near Dante Fowler's contract. I think he might get paid more, though. Yeah, um, he's, he 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 should he should get paid, and he deserves it. I think percentage chance he's back. So you got to caveat this with the Rams literally don't have cap room and by that i mean like they are negative 20 negative 20 million under the cap roughly uh that's not the exact number so we we can't sign anyone right now we're gonna have to make cuts the this is a weird year because the salary cap is gonna take a dip it never dips it always goes up uh but it is gonna take a dip this year because the league lost money during the pandemic or at least didn't have as big of a revenue as they usually have so like it's it I would say twenty percent and I guess my reasoning for that is I might that feels a little high, but I think if they can find some money and Les Need somehow always finds money, maybe they franchise him. I don't know. Um, but it's gonna be hard to find the money for him. I just think that they will try everything they can uh to keep him if possible. Uh, so what, what percentage would you give, give that Steve? 20, 20%, 20%, which feels high. So if I had to put a percentage on this and I think you're right, Steve, I think if they do find some kind of cash, um, and I'll leave that to less need to do that because I'm trying to wrap my brain around how they're going to even on <laughs> how they're going to actually find some money. Uh, out of all this, but if anyone can do it, it's less. Uh, that being said, with with zero uh, percent, basically meaning that he he's already left. I'm gonna say zero percent. <laughs> Damn. I, I would love. Don't get me wrong. I would love to bring back Leonard Floyd. Make it happen, less if you can. I don't think he can do it. I really don't. Just because. You have to free up twenty plus million dollars as it is, and then you need—I I mean—to franchise. How much is a franchise on a linebacker? Is that like sixteen? Yeah, million? yeah, it's high. I think I went too high on this one. Yeah, sixteen million. I don't know if that's the exact number, but it's—it's <laughs> it's high. It's—if it, it's not sixteen million, it's probably higher. You know, that's insanity. You know, uh, I'd love to bring back Floyd, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I know there's going to be some team out there that's going to overpay him, just like the Falcons overpaid for Dante Fowler, and it didn't work out for Fowler in the end. The, or, well, for the Falcons in the end, I should say. The interesting thing about this offseason is going to be nobody has cap space. Uh, obviously, this will change with players getting cut, but... Um, not nobody, but only six teams have over 30 million in cap space. And 
Sorry, I'm counting on the fly, guys. One, two, three, four, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thirteen <laughs> teams are in the negatives. Wow. And six teams are negative twenty-seven million or lower. The Rams are one of the two that's negative twenty-seven million, uh, and two teams are negative fifty million or lower. Jesus, who are they? <laughs> the Eagles are negative fifty-one million, and Ouch. the Saints. Are negative one hundred and five million dollars over the cap. Damn. Um, Drew Brees is probably going to retire. I don't know how that's going to affect their cap hit. I I I'd have, I have to look into how retired players, how much they have to eat in dead cap. Honestly, I have no idea. But like, like <laughs> they, they got sixteen million tied into Taysom Hill. He has a huge dead cap hit. Uh, they got $18 million tied to Michael Thomas. They can't cut him in 18.9 to Cameron Jordan. They can't cut him uh, $14 million in Norris Jenkins. He's got a big dead cap hit. Uh, Ouch. Quan Alexander they could cut without penalty. Uh, he's good, though. Like, there's guys they can cut without penalty that they're probably going to cut, like Marshawn Lattimore as well. Like, decent players that they're just going to have to lose because they are so far above the fucking cap. It's unbelievable. Jeez, I thought the Rams had problems. I mean, they do, but not negative one hundred and five million. Jesus, yeah, I, well, that's awful. And we'll we'll really go into like a dive on the Rams cap situation when we get closer to free agency, and we'll see if they make any moves to free up cap space. There's not that many they can make though. And next week we'll talk about some guys who could be on the chopping block just to save money. Uh, this week it's pretty much just free agents. Another one, Austin Blythe, I uh, seventy. 70 overall grade on pro football focus for offensive linemen, or I think he was the sixth, or no, that's sixth, 10th or 11th highest center. So in the top half, he allowed four sacks and we had one penalty. Um, I gave him a B, man. He's just been pretty consistent. Uh, he's solid, not a game changer, but not a game loser. And on the offensive line, that's fine. Uh, you, you want game changers on the offensive line, but no teams really have five guys who are game changers, especially at center. There's not that many game changing centers. Um, but I give him a B. I, I don't really have a lot of takes on Bly. He's very solid. Uh, hopefully he's back. I give him a, so it's weird. Like I just, with all that talk we just had about money, I just feel like there's no money out there. I feel like Austin Blythe is not going to be a coveted player and free agency i don't know i i think we're so broke so like it's hard to give too high a percentage but i would say like a 60 percent chance he's back because i just don't really think there's gonna be a huge market for him and i think he wants to be here i'm guessing he enjoys playing here the team wants him back uh i think they'll be able to get him on an affordable contract and i think I, I think it's it's easier said than done to fill that position if they can find some money to pay him a little bit it's not gonna be a ton I think you just bring him back. And I think both sides would want it. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I, I think that, well, first of all, I, I think Blythe did a, a pretty okay job. You know, all things considered, he was certainly the best option for the Rams. And uh, I think he's still probably going to be the best option for the Rams. Just because... It's so hard to draft a a you know top echelon center. Like center has become such a valuable position now. Uh, the interior offensive line has become 
one of the most valuable positions it, to the point where there are teams drafting centers in, in the first round now and some as high as the top 20. You know, that's that's unheard of. And in, in, uh, if you go back, even if you go back like five years ago, that's that's still kind of unheard of. It used to be where you can still draft a, you know, what the best center in like the third round, and now it's hard to find one. So, and considering the Rams' limited draft picks, it, it would be in the Rams' best interest to bring back uh, Austin Blythe. He may not be the best center out there, but I think he did a, a formidable job and. Uh, for me, if I were to give him a grade, I would say he, he deserves a solid B as well. Uh, I think that's a fair grade. You know, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst, certainly met my expectations. So um, as far as a percentage to bring him back, I would say probably about a 75% chance. I, I think once the Rams get their salary cap situated, he'll be one of the more affordable free agents that the Rams could bring back. He, he won't command a huge contract. It, it just depends on if he wants a longer-term contract. That, I don't know if the Rams could give him or want to commit to that. But, you know, if you could bring him back on a one- to two-year contract for, like, $4 million, I, I say do it. Well, I think if the, if the answer is cheap and longer-term, um, I think the Rams could do that. I mean, it's really, like... The, I mean, they're going to be tied up for a while. They have a lot of long-term deals, but it's really they, like now is the problem, finding the money for them now. I think in the, in the future you can make that work. It's just the problem is, uh, is he going to want to take a cheap deal and long-term? Maybe he would. Maybe uh, maybe that's what he'd be looking for is just long-term security. All right, so, yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, I'd rather not replace him. I will say, Johnny, uh, we could have drafted Eric McCoy in 2019. Instead, that's we trade, true. We traded back and we drafted a safety who got benched for a six round pick. <laughs> I'm just that. That's true. There's been opportunities. Um, Troy Hill, next guy, uh, a much, much talked about player on this podcast over the years. Uh, but this year he was the 29th best cornerback on pro football focus. He had three interceptions, three touchdowns, which is pretty uh, insane, including a massive pick six against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, which propelled us to the playoffs, even though we would have made it anyways, but uh, it helped. He is a guy that has really just come a long way as a player. And this year he was, he, he was an incredible compliment to Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams in the secondary. Uh, he played his role very well. He had the occasional lapse, but overall um, you could really rely on him. And that's not something you could have said about Troy Hill in his early years. Uh, he was a reliable cornerback. I give him an A. You know, I, I, my expectations were, were decent this year because he was pretty well last year. But he continues to impress me, uh, which is how much better he's gotten as a pro. Um, yeah, I give him an A. I, I don't know, man. It, it, there's not much else to say. He's just – he's solid. He's reliable. He's good. Um, he he – He's been on this team since 2015, and he has uh, he's had some really low lows early on, but he has come along, and it's I'm happy we got to see him grow in our organization. You know, uh, if you go back and listen to some of the Butting Heads podcast, 
Don't listen to the part where I talk about Troy Hill and wanting to get rid of him. He was really bad, like really bad at one point. It's crazy. Like if you told us at that point, like like 2017, it was when he was really bad, right? Maybe, I, I think around then. Like if you told us that three years later, we'd be talking about him like that and he'd still be on the fucking team. Like that's crazy. It's it's crazy how far he's come. Well, that that's a kudos to uh, to Sean McVay and Les Snead as well for keeping him around because I was about ready to give up on the guy. Like I, I well, I did give up on the guy. I wanted him gone because I just I did not see what they saw in him, and obviously there's a reason why they're uh, coaching and yep. a general manager, and I, I'm I'm just here on a podcast, so. Um, <laughs> looks can be deceiving at times and and uh troy hill certainly fits the bill there you know troy hill has developed so much and um it's to the point where he had um before even the 2020 season the 2019 season he had a hell of a year and there were a lot of people already talking about when Troy Hill was going to be a free agent and if the Rams could bring him back. And, you know, it, it's it's amazing. He garnered that much attention because a couple years ago, he was he, nobody knew who this guy was unless you were a Ram fan. So, you know, as far as what he did in 2020, the funny thing is he started off very sluggish and that was mainly because they had him at slot corner for the majority of the time and then they kind of adjusted and then they kind of shifted him around and now you know he ended the season with such a high note you know so many uh well uh maybe not in the packer game but (laughs) so many uh so many pick sixes and fumble recoveries for touchdowns those that that's impressive. That's a true playmaker right there, and uh, I have to say I, I was really really um, surprised at first on how how uh, slow he started, but when it all came down to it, he became one of the more reliable cornerbacks in the league, and uh, s- continued to uh, surprise me and fill uh, my expectations. So. As far as the grade goes, yeah, I think A is a fair grade. And um, as far as the percentage of keeping him for next year, I would say 5% chance. <laughs> I I'm going to go I'm going to go 15% just because you know, there's not that much money out there, and maybe there's not as big of a market for Troy Hill as we think, and maybe he just comes back uh, and we find a way to make it work, but realistically that's probably high too i keep going too high i mean this is a guy who has made i'm looking at his career earnings seven million seven point six million dollars over six seasons which is obviously a shitload of money to us but for an nfl player uh it's not that high especially someone who's been starting for the last couple years he is going to and i don't blame him for this i would assume this was going to happen he's going to go chase the biggest contract he could possibly chase yep as he should uh, he's made like nothing in terms of being a productive NFL player in his couple years with the Rams. Uh, go get the bag. 
And if the bag's not out there, maybe he's back. Uh, next guy, Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, one of the eight Sean McVay has or Les Snead has drafted over the last nine seasons in the first four rounds, uh, and one of the more unnecessary ones for sure. Josh Reynolds this year had 52 catches for 618 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, definitely a career high in yards. But, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I am a C plus. I, I kind of expected him to break out a little bit, and he didn't at all, even though the, the numbers were okay. There's not really a chance to break out in this offense, in fairness to him as a wide receiver right now. But I don't know. I was impressed. He was fine. Uh, he's, a, he's a decent receiver. He's going to go somewhere, and he's going to play, and he's going to do all right. Uh, maybe he breaks out somewhere else. We'll see. He's, he's still pretty young. Uh, he's had, had some promise. I think it's about a 1% chance he's back. I It takes a lot for me to go zero, so I'm going to go one. But he's fine. His tenure with the Rams was fine. Uh, I'm not really going to miss him if, when he leaves. Yeah, as far as uh, Reynolds goes, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of expecting a little bit more from him this season. But I think that was before I seen what we were going to do with this offense. I kind of figured it was going to be a dink and dunk offense, but I didn't know to what level. And we saw the level. So, yeah, I... I don't think it's really fair to go by my expectations per se just because I expected a lot more from the offense in general and I can't really necessarily fault Reynolds on the opportunity based on the opportunities he was given I feel like in another offensive scheme he might thrive a little bit better we kind of seen that if he's in a much better offense like the 2018 Rams, he can certainly be a force to be reckoned with. But with this very limited opportunity here, it's hard for any wide receiver to shine, especially when you have so many similar type of wide receivers. So, yeah, I, I got to say that Reynolds will, I think, thrive somewhere else. And I don't think it's going to be with the Rams. As far as a grade here goes, I would say B- would probably be a fair grade. Um, primarily, I, I almost dropped this down to a C. But I think it's hard to really grade him harshly just because of the type of offense the Rams have. But there were times where he dropped the ball. There were times where he was just not really there like even when he was on the field it just felt like he wasn't on the field but he did have some big moments too he had some critical catches at times so yeah I think B- is a fair grade and as far as a percentage of him coming back zero I, I, <laughs> I I'm not that uh it's not hard for me to say zero percent because I really would be a hundred percent shocked if he's back next season and at which point I would feel like I'd need to get a hold of Sean or not Sean McVay uh less need and kind of shake him a little bit saying we have limited cap space and you're giving it to uh <laughs> to Reynolds 
Oh my god. <laughs> if if I'm giving a guy a one percent, uh, my thinking what you get for Reynolds, my thinking is that there's just no market and the Rams can get them back on a minimum deal. So it's very unlikely. Um, but like if nobody wants to sign Josh Reynolds and he's just there, then sure. Sure. Whatever. There'll be teams that want him. This yeah. is a pass happy league. Yeah, I agree. And and he's 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 a he's a good body. He can play. There are worse receivers getting major snaps in the NFL than Josh Reynolds, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> um next guy in a similar situation came in in the same draft as Josh Reynolds, right? That's Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett, fun fact, Johnny, he is the highest draft pick Sean McVay has made with less need. Uh, In 2017, he was the 44th overall pick. Um, That is a pretty high pick in the NFL draft. Just three picks earlier, Dalvin Cook went, who is a all-pro and just got a massive contract extension. Um, He was not there for the Rams, nor if he was, should they have taken him. But... Just to put that in perspective, that that is the highest draft pick they have made. And ultimately, I think this Gerald Everett experiment has been a complete failure and was a bust of a pick. Although he has shown flashes at times, uh, and in some big games, he's had some memorable plays in some really memorable moments for the Rams and has developed some sorts of a connection with Jared Goff. He he is a guy that kind of gets relied on. Uh, This year, at 41 catches with 417 yards and a touchdown, that 417 yards is his career high in four years. When this guy was drafted, I think it was kind of easy to point to Jordan Reed, uh, who Sean McVay coached in Washington. This is we're talking about tight ends that are project players, um, not sure things coming out. Gerald Everett played at South Alabama and had not played football for a long time before the draft. Uh, Jordan Reed was quarterback that was converted at Florida to a tight end. And when you look at Jordan Reed's numbers, uh, in year three, he had 952 yards and 11 touchdowns, whereas in year three, Gerald Everett had like 400 yards. Um, I give him a C-minus for this year. I wasn't really expecting a big breakout year from him. It was certainly possible, but it did not happen. He he had his moments, but he also had some very bad moments, uh, one of the more inconsistent players on this offense. Uh, if he ever really put it together – and the way we want, it'd be awesome, and he'd be a really valuable member of this team. And I think there will be a market for him because of the potential he's shown and because of just the complete lack of tight ends in the NFL. Um, I give him a 1% chance of coming back for the same reason I gave Reynolds. In case there is no market, you might as well bring him back because there was some connection there with Goff. But uh, the pick was bad. It was a failure of a four years, and they never made the project work. I will give this a D for for Gerald Everett, just because I didn't expect a lot to begin with with Gerald Everett. I I expected a lot more from Ty, Tyler Higby. We'll talk about him as probably another, on another podcast. But um, as far as Everett goes, no going into the twenty twenty season. I was not expecting anything really from from Everett and knowing that and I'm still disappointed at the end of the season that says a lot you know I wasn't expecting a lot from him for a couple of reasons um primarily because he he was 
you know, such a non-factor towards the end of the season uh, in 2019. And then in 2020, he just, I mean, it, it seemed like the, the lack of faith. This is why it, it shocked me that he wasn't traded. And it could be that there just wasn't any trade suitors out there that were all that interested in him. But it, it, the fact that they went and drafted another tight end in the 2020 NFL draft kind of said it all. Said not only are they willing to trade or are they willing to lose Everett, but they may even trade him at some point. That was a possibility, even though it didn't happen. And Everett just really didn't get anything going. He was... It, it was like not, it was better not actually using him at times because he was so inconsistent with his pass catching. It's like he took a major step backward. Now, do I think that he's not a talented player? Of course not. I think he has potential. Maybe he might be better in a, in a different offense, but he has to improve tremendously too because the the number of drop passes from him this season was so frustrating. It, it was to the point where you didn't really see him that often anymore because they couldn't rely on him. So, yeah, I think a D is a fair grade. And uh, as far as percentage, him being back, I would say a 0%. I think even if, you know, no team's offering him a contract, the fact that the Rams salary cap the way it is and the fact that they also drafted uh, Bryson Hopkins, yeah, I I would say still a zero percent chance. <laughs> Bryson Hopkins, who has not played yet, um, but yes, they drafted him. You got to think as Gerald Everett's replacement. Uh, why you're drafting Gerald Everett's replacement? I don't know. As I've said many times in this podcast, uh, pick fifty-seven. In that draft, Johnny, the Houston Texans took Zach Cunningham, an inside linebacker who's really good and is currently the highest-paid inside linebacker in the league. Uh, so there's another example of them not drafting the a guy they could have used. Um, although, <laughs> to make to make everyone feel better here, the pick directly after Gerald Everett, the Bears drafted Adam Sheehan. Shaheen. Adam Sheehan, who's actually been worse than Gerald Everett. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's at least relieving next guy, Darius Williams, cornerback for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the only guy on this list that is a restricted free agent. So what that means is you could attach a tender to a player for a draft pick. The, uh, the best example I could give is a couple years ago, the Rams gave Corey Littleton a second round tender and nobody signed him and they were able to keep him for another year when he was a restricted free agent. I would imagine this is a similar situation with Darius Williams. He's going to get a second or a first round tender. Um, and they're going to be able to keep him at least for another year on a pretty cheap contract because I don't think they'd be able to give him a big extension this year. But yeah, so for that reason, I would say 99% chance he's back. He's probably going to be here because restricted free agents that are good usually don't leave. This year, he was the fourth best cornerback, according to Pro Football Focus, which take that with a grain of salt because Jalen Ramsey is like has a horrible Pro Football Focus grade. Um, but that being said, to be fourth still means something to me. He was an incredible cornerback out of the slot. I think 
possibly the biggest surprise on the team this year, maybe besides Jordan Fuller. I uh, just literally broke out and was a star. Like I would say he he is one of the rising stars in the league. And it's huge that he's a restricted free agent because we will be able to keep him. He had four interceptions in the regular season. And he had a massive pick six against the Seattle Seahawks in our playoff win. He's 26 years old. He'll be 27 before next season. But, man, he's good. He is really damn good. And I give him an A+. Plus. Really blew me out of the water the way, with how this guy played. I I know he had shown some flashes, especially in that game last year against the Arizona Cardinals in Week 17. But I did not see this coming at all. I, I am shocked that he... I, I didn't even I wasn't even sure that he was going to be the guy that started that position. And he was an A-plus. He was going to be a huge part of this defense next year, uh, especially assuming Troy Hill is gone. Uh, and yeah, A-plus for me easily. It was, it was a really great season. Yeah, I think any grade below A-plus would be either nitpicking or you just don't like Darius Williams for some reason because this guy was phenomenal. Now, I, I will say that... You know, Steve and I kind of talked about Darius Williams as being a kind of up-and-coming guy. You know, someone that could challenge uh, for the role of, of uh, Nikhil Roby Coleman. But did we think that he was going to be the starter next to Jalen Ramsey? No. No, no we didn't. And uh, I don't think anyone really saw that coming except for maybe the coaching staff. Uh he just came out here, played lights out. It, it, it was almost as if the Rams signed another superstar cornerback next to Jalen Ramsey because he just wasn't really a huge presence in uh, the previous years. So it, it, it's kind of amazing how this guy just came out and just balled out of control, man. Uh, yeah, A-plus, no, no doubt about that. And... Not to harp too much on what Steve already explained, him being a restricted free agent and all. I, I would say there's about a 100% chance. I, I think there's um, there's no doubt in my mind. Because they're going to get the salary cap situated one way or another. And it won't cost too much to, to sign him. So, you know, for the, for the restricted one-year contract, I, I think... If they don't sign him, then that will probably be Les Snead's biggest failure. If they don't sign him, then literally none of these guys are going to get signed because they will have literally no money. Uh, that's the yeah. only reason he's not back next year. Yeah. And I go 99% because there's a slim chance that happens. Uh, not likely, though. Yeah, he he will be back, and, and uh, we're all better for it. Malcolm Brown, the... Now, third-string running back, I suppose, of the Los Angeles Rams. He had 101 rushes this year for 419 yards and five touchdowns. He added a career-high 23 catches for 162 yards. Uh, had about four yards per rush. Um, pretty sure the rushing stats are career-highs, too, but the he never caught passes, really, before this year. I, I give him a C because, I don't know, he he was fairly productive. He was fine. And I originally had a B minus, but I'm lowering it to a C because like I like groaned every time he touched the ball. Like I was just like when Daryl Henderson was playing well, I was like, why are we getting the fucking ball to Malcolm Brown? And then when Cam Akers was playing well, I was like, why is he in the game? 
So that's why I give him a C. But I mean, he's reliable. He was fine. He he four yards a rush for a guy of his caliber. You cannot complain about it. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of what you'd hope when you hand the ball off to Malcolm Brown is four yards. Uh, if if he's in the game, you're getting the ball. You're not you're not going for the home run. You're going for the plotting. Um, he's been with the team for a while. I believe he was here in, in St. Louis. One of the, one of the few guys left. I give it a. I'm actually gonna go with like a 15 percent chance that he's back for an amplified reason of like why I said Josh Reynolds and Gerald Everett were one percent because there's so many running backs. There's gonna be a lot of running backs that are free agents. I don't really know what the market for Malcolm Brown is gonna be. It might not exist. And like like I said with the other guys, if he's just there for free, uh, he's played with the Rams since 2015. Um, you know, if he could get a minimum contract anywhere, it might be here. Now, he's probably going to look for a situation where he could get more work, but that might not be out there. There are a lot of good running backs in the league, and a lot of them are like are going to be unemployed. And Malcolm Brown's not really a guy you sign for a home run swing. You know what I mean? Uh, so... Yeah, I go I go 15%. I give him a C. He's probably not here, but like if he were to be back, I wouldn't be mad about it unless if it was on a minimum deal. Anything above that and yeah, you're just burning money, but if this is it for Malcolm Brown, it, it, I I I wish him the best. He's a good dude. He he played a role here and for the most part was fine in his role. As far as Malcolm Brown is concerned, I have to say I'm I was very disappointed in what we saw. I wasn't expecting Malcolm Brown to be our starter. I wasn't expecting Malcolm Brown to have a ton of yards. But I have to say I was expecting a little bit more production out of him. I was expecting him to be more of a presence in the end zone, which uh, if you guys were listening the past couple of weeks, you know... I kind of questioned Sean McVay as to why they didn't use him. Then they finally used him in the goal line situations, and uh, he couldn't get in either. I don't know how much of that is his fault as it is the offensive line. I think it's kind of a mixture of both. Um, and part of, of his uh, mild success is also responsible because of the play calling uh play calling has a lot to do with it as well but he just had an okay season you know nothing really stood out and i you know for a guy that's been on the team for a long time i was expecting him to do a lot more and just yeah it, it was disappointing for me so i i think i'm probably being a little too harsh but I think the D plus is kind of uh, justified for me. You know, I I I think it was just because I had so much more expectation of him uh, in general, and that could be on me. But yeah, I I think he he's capable of what better than what we saw in twenty twenty. Let's put it that way. Now, as for percentage being back. This is about one of the only players where, like, I think I see Steve's point and if there's, if nobody's, like, out there looking for him and being where the salary cap situation is for pretty much the entire league and 
right now is literally the worst time in NFL history to be a running back because your value is just not there anymore. <laughs> there, there is a ton of unemployed running backs that can be very, very talented on, on teams. They just don't get the opportunity. And Malcolm Brown doesn't scream must sign. So, with all that being said, and the Rams' familiarity with with Malcolm Brown, for continuity reasons, I would say uh, Malcolm Brown has about a 25% chance of coming back. I, I really... It, it wouldn't pain me to see him back in 2021, but I wouldn't be, you know, jumping up and down because it happens. So, personally, I would rather try and look for an actual third down back. You know, somebody, maybe even a fullback or somebody, you know, trained to be a fullback. I I would totally be before that. But for Malcolm Brown to come back, I guess I it wouldn't be the end of the world. So, yeah, 25% I feel like is is what I would go with. I mean, if we're not, we shouldn't spend any money or high draft capital on a running back this year. No. Or a fullback. No. Uh, you have Cam Akers, who is a clear every down back if you want him to be. And you have Daryl Henderson, who balled out for a little bit this year, played great. Uh, and he'll, he'll be fine in the change of pace role. If you need a third running back, get somebody free. Uh, yes. And it, like, for Malcolm Brown, like he might be the guy to get for free. Some of the running backs available in free agency this year that are unrestricted free agents, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, James Conner, Wayne Gallman, Chris Carson, Todd Gurley, Frank Gore, Mike Davis, Adrian Peterson, Jeff Wilson, Jamal Williams, uh, Brian Hill, Boston Scott, Leonard Fournette, Carlos Hyde, Le'Veon Bell, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Kalen Balazs, who actually like had a flash this year, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead, Matt Burita, like a lot of these guys you're going to take a shot on before you take a shot on Malcolm Brown, I think, especially if they're free. And like some of these guys will be like, I mean, if you could get Malcolm Brown or Todd Gurley for free, like, I don't know. Why would you like take the shot on Gurley, you know, unless you really just need a, a three yards of carry and pass blocking back. Uh, if you can get Todd Gurley for free, you do it. You're getting him for free. He will not get paid anything this offseason. He sucked last year. Well, we're technically paying him still, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. he he will be fine. And I mean, I hope he goes somewhere and bounces back. But uh, I I feel I, I don't necessarily feel bad because he's make he got his bag. But it just sucks to see where he's at in his career. It really does. <laughs> On a lighter note, Morgan Fox. Uh, Johnny, I give Morgan Fox an A+++++++ because I literally didn't expect him to make the team. Uh, and he had six sacks this year. He had nine QB hits. He had 27 tackles. He had a forced fumble. And, like, there's just so many games where I look up and Morgan Fox is making a play. And I did not expect him to make any plays this year. Uh, he was a pretty solid rotational defensive lineman for us. I think percentage chance he's back. I don't like, what is there a market for him? 
Like, did he earn a market? I don't know. Um, I I, I want to go 30% chance he's back. Because I think if we do switch to a 4-3, he's a guy that could actually be a useful defensive end in that system. Uh, and I think – I don't really know, like, who – I don't think people are going to be backing up the brink truck for Morgan Fox. I think he's a guy that's going to be available for cheap. I think you look at – uh, you're, if you assuming you lose Leonard Floyd, maybe maybe you want to prioritize bringing this guy back on a, on a not expensive deal, and I think he's gonna be available for cheap. So maybe he's back. Uh, maybe this year impressed more than just me, and he like gets a big contract, which I I really doubt. Um, but shit, man, he was a pleasant surprise. Uh, I didn't expect anything, and he actually gave us some results, and he had some big time sacks, some like crucial sacks in games this year. You're you're not you're not lying though, Steve. Uh, Morgan Fox was. I mean, it's like you said. Whenever you seen like a huge play happen, it wasn't even just at random moments. He he made plays when they counted. You know, you'd look up and seeing it's Morgan Fox, and you're like, "Are you sure?" You know, this is a guy that. You know, like you said, weren't even sure he was going to make the the squad. And, you know, here he is making all these plays, getting six sacks. Would not, if you were to, if you were to bet me that he was going to make more than three sacks this year, I probably would have taken that bet and I would have lost, clearly. So, (laughs) as far as a grade, S. You know, the S tier. <laughs> Just it. because, yeah, he, he was above an A+. plus. Like, Steve made the point of the pluses. Yeah, he deserves every bit of that. As far as him being back, I it's this is one of the weirder ones. Because I don't think that there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to give him big top echelon contracts. But I do think there are going to be teams interested in him. Uh, it just really depends on how much he's looking for and the demand. And I think if the demand just isn't there, he'll definitely be back with the Rams. And especially if they can get him cheap, I I think they'll definitely bring him back. No matter if they switch to 4-3 or keep it the 3-4, you know, it, 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 I, I think no matter what happens here, the Rams are going to at least try to bring him back. But I still have this funny feeling that teams are going to try and go after him. So I'm going to say there's about a 20% chance that he'll be back. Uh, it's not hopeless. I, I think that there is an odd chance that he might be back. But it's not like a very good chance, I will say. It's it's like I hope nobody's panicking too hard listening to this because I think the only guy besides Jarius Williams we said we're confident will be back is Austin Blythe. Yep. And we've talked <laughs> about nine players now, and they're all pretty that... good. Um, but yeah, I we'll see. It, it's hard to tell right now. We got to see what the market is. Uh, we got to see what teams do to free up cap space if teams really have money to throw around. But he's a good player. I mean, maybe Brandon Staley goes after him for a cheap deal, and brings him to oh, LA. Yeah. Who knows? Brings him to LA. He's already here. Uh, two two players left. We're going to talk about today. 
and this one I think we could breeze through. Samson Ibukam actually had four and a half sacks this year. It was the same as last year. Uh, I I gave him a C minus. Just just the epitome of like you know, I hate to say because he's a good dude. He's been here for a while, but like the epitome of a just another guy. They call him Jags, uh, which is more common to refer to like running backs and such who are just going off. He's just a guy. Um, I would now. I would love to be a Jag in the NFL. That would be fucking awesome. But I'm not. Yeah. He is. He's one of the few people in the world that get to say that. Um, but yeah, C minus is all right. Made some plays. Uh, Chancey's back. I I think five percent because I, I don't think there's a market, and I think that they can probably get him for free. But I feel like this is a relationship where both sides are probably going to want to move on. Yeah, as for I, I gave him a C. I I think I had very little expectations going into the season, and uh, he did about what I was expecting, and I think he did about what many people were expecting. You know, basically, he would show up on occasion, make a good play here and there, and then virtually disappear for most of the game. And that's exactly what he did the entire 2020 season. There wasn't even really a game that I can really think of where it was like, damn, this was Samson Ibukam's game. Well, not this year, but in his tenure, you have the Chiefs game. Yeah, yeah. The, if we're going back two years ago, yes. <laughs> if we're going, if we even go back last year, I can't even think of a game where it's like, damn, this was his game. And that says a lot, you know, that, that really says a lot. So, that being said, being that the Rams have a clear need at linebacker, and I highly doubt that uh, there's going to be a market for him. If the Rams can bring him back for cheap, I think they will. If for whatever reason there's a team out, maybe the Chiefs will be like, well, he dominated us two years ago. Maybe we want him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I doubt it, seeing as they're in the Super Bowl for a second straight year. But, yeah, I'm going to say there's about... I'll say a 30% chance he's back. I, I can I can understand why Steve would say that they may want to go their separate ways between the Rams and, and uh, Samson Ibukam just because it's clear that he's not really thriving on this team. Maybe a change of scenery will do him better. I mean, it worked for Leonard Floyd, so why not him? So, yeah, I, I think there is a, a still a... a decent chance that he might be back just because he there's probably not going to be a market for him but i kind of hope he doesn't you know it worked for leonard floyd why not him well johnny i could think of a a couple reasons (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to be nice here steve (laughs) man we like him he's been on the pod before uh yeah good for him he's a nice dude yeah uh, yeah, if he's back, listen, I, I will be okay with it. He, he's he's a good body to have. Uh, you could do worse in your depth chart. 
Uh, the last the last guy we're going to talk about today, and I intentionally saved it for last because I'm dreading talking about him, is John Johnson, mm. our beloved safety. This year I give him an A. I led the team in tackles, team captain, called the plays on the defense, had an interception, uh, 73 solo tackles, most on the team, most combined tackles on the team. Uh, when you're get when your safety is getting more solo tackles than linebackers, it's it's not really ideal. But uh, John Johnson was one of the anchors on arguably the best secondary in football and the best pass defense in the NFL for the regular season. Uh, he has been a really valuable part of this team for a long time. Uh, had the you could say game clinching interception in the 2018 NFC Championship. Um, I mean. A for me, I love him. He's one of our best players, one of the most important players on the team. I will let you talk about him a little before I get my percentage. It's definitely an A-plus for me because, you know, I, I going into the season, we all have this expectation that John Johnson was going to kick ass, and he did not disappoint. But to the level that he did, you know, he was a key part of the secondary of this defense, you know. I don't know if the Rams have the number one defense without him, you know. I I think they'll still be a good defense, but I don't know if they'll be as effective as without him. So, it, it's, it's, it's hard to really say that that um, he'll be back or not because clearly he's going to get paid, whether it be from a franchise tag or whether it be from a monster contract that teams are going to put out for him. So that being said, the only possible way that John Johnson is back next season is if the Rams franchise him, which won't be cheap. I don't know the going rate for a franchise tag on a safety is, but I imagine it's probably above $10 million, I would I think, say. Probably. I think pretty much every player is above $10 million. Um, but it's yeah. it's on the lower side, for sure, of franchise tags. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of money for a team that's, you know, in the red above 20 or... Well, is in the red minus 20, uh, a little bit more than minus 20. So, <laughs> I would love to say that the Rams are going to bring him back. In fact, I would love to bring up my percentage, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Especially because, as much as I hate to say it, um, the Rams still have quite a few talented safeties out there. Are they as good as John Johnson? Of course not. But it would be kind of a luxury to bring him back in a way. So I, that, I still think they're going to try. But in the end, I think it might be too hard. And, and I think there's about a 25% chance he'll be back. So it's, it's uh, 10. It, I lost my tab. It is ten point nine million as a projected franchise tag for safety next year, and honestly, looking at that, that is not that bad. And it's I, not. I'm gonna go with a thirty five percent chance that he's back. And and let me explain this. 
we have no cap space. We need to find cap space. Um, I think that they will explore every possible avenue to bringing John Johnson back. Um, this is a quote from Sean McVay about him this week. He said, you look at what John Johnson has meant to our football team. He was a playmaker, the versatility, all the different things he could do for our defense. I mean, he had the green dot where he was a communicator. That's something that I value so much in terms of different intricacies of what we're doing defensively from a schematic perspective. He's a guy that was incredibly instrumental in a lot of the success we've had defensively. He became a big-time leader for us. I think you really saw him grow a lot this year, and we put a lot on him, and he showed why he was more than capable. It is going to be hard to bring him back. It'll be kind of a luxury to bring him back, but I think he means so much to this team, and I think they love having him. And I think he is – and you can't – like. Most players love where they're at, but he seems like he really loves being here in Los Angeles and playing for the team. Um, A lot of guys don't really like getting franchise tagged. I don't think he would mind because it would keep him here for another year. And if if there was an easy route for them to have $11 million to spend on a player, I would put this way higher. I think if they free up money and can sign one player for $11 million, they give that money to John Johnson. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they cut guys to make room for John Johnson to be back. Um, but the, there's the problem is we don't really have any obvious uh, cut candidates, and we'll talk about some of the guys you can cut next week and save a little money. But it's – I think I, – I don't know. Maybe I'm in denial. <laughs> I, I don't blame you, Steve. I mean, this is a guy that you, you want to try and hold on to if you can, and – yeah, I mean, we, we've seen this guy from a rookie, and from his rookie year, he had such a tremendous year, and it almost feels like we've been cheated out of, you know, having him on this team because of his injuries, and then he comes back on his contract year and just plays the best he's ever played before. It, it kind of sucks to see him leave now, but... That's the NFL. <laughs> that that's the NFL. Yeah. Um Doc man. I'm gonna miss him. But I I hope they figure it out. You know, like the contract the cap is so fucked up, like the league the league should give a stimulus package to the and just extend the like add like twenty million to everyone's salary caps. <laughs> Then we'd still be in the red. <laughs> I know we would. <laughs> it's so bad. Damn, it's that, so that's bad. depressing. You made me even more depressed, Steve. I'll make you feel better. If they gave, if they just added $20 million to the cap, uh, just to kind of make everyone feel bad, the Saints would still be $85 million in the red. <laughs> wow. It's just like, but look, man, and let's, like, the last thing we said, we've been going for a while, so I want to wrap it up. But the the Rams have just found money that doesn't exist multiple times, uh, especially last offseason. They extended everybody with God knows what money. Um, like, they might find it. And I think while I would be hard-pressed to see Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey get traded, even though they're our biggest contracts, like I think you build the team around them, you don't trade them and add players. I think every other player on the team, with maybe a couple a couple exceptions of guys on really cheap deals, I think every other player on the team could be moved. 
I wouldn't put anybody as a full-on lock except those two. I think they're definitely here. And then I'd probably say, like, Cam Akers is probably here. Like, David Edwards is probably here. Guys who are productive on really cheap deals. Um, but, like, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Jared Goff, Andrew Whitworth, Michael Brockers, Rob Havenstein, Tyler Higby. I, they, they, there's, they're all available, I think, uh, because of how fucked up our cap situation is. And we'll talk about all those guys uh, in the coming weeks. Next week, we'll do round two of the report cards. Um, but give us a follow on Twitter, at C. Ribeiro, at Johnny5Not6, uh, at Talk Rams, and we will talk to you guys next week.